All righty, well, it's great to be here with all you today. Oh man, I'm grateful for the enthusiasm. Hey everybody, so glad you're joining us today at all of our campuses and everybody joining us online. Uh, my name is Tim. I am the campus pastor for our Sunnyvale campus at Echo Church. And it is always, always a privilege to be here with all of you uh, to be able to share what God has been putting in my heart. Today, we are concluding the series that we've been going through called Hero Maker. And I know what you're thinking, Tim, it's only been six weeks. Are we seriously already done with Hero Maker? But next week is even more exciting because next week we are celebrating the birth of the greatest hero maker that ever walked the earth, and that's sweet little baby Jesus. <laughs> and I love Christmas. Christmas is by far my favorite time of the year. My family, we go all out to celebrate Christmas. It's a time of giving. It's a time of celebration. It's a time of gathering. And where I'm from, uh, I grew up in the French Alps. Uh, the holiday season is often a time for melted cheese. I actually have a clip I want to show you guys of what some of the things that we do as a family. It's called raclette. And oh my goodness, as you watch it pour over your potatoes and over your meats, now you understand why Christmas is my favorite time of the year. And I feel so bad for all of you who are lactose intolerant right now uh, because it is mm, so delicious. Uh, but that's not really what Christmas is about, right? Christmas is about celebrating hope that we have because Jesus brings hope for all of us. He brings hope for our past to know that we can have forgiveness. He gives us a purpose for our present and he gives us really hope for our future and knowing that our eternities can be secured, that we can have a place in heaven. And so that's why at Echo Church, we're doing 13 services across all of our campuses to be able to celebrate the hope that we have, but also to bring hope to a world that desperately needs it today. And so we hope that you'll be able to join us, that you'll bring a friend or a family member with you, because it's going to be a celebration that you're not going to want to miss and you're going to want to be a part of coming up next week. And if you don't believe me that Jesus was the ultimate hero maker, I actually want to invite you to take a look back at week one of this teaching series where Pastor Andy talked about how Jesus is the ultimate hero maker. When you look at the life of Jesus, over the three years of ministry when he walked the earth, the three years where he was actively ministering to people, he started a movement that is still shaping our culture today and has shaped much of our world. And so you see the impact that he's had in just a few short years. And today we're going to continue and unpack the impact that he had in this world. We're going to talk through a story of some of the heroes that he raised up, that he commissioned, that he sent out. And how them, they themselves became hero makers and sent out others. And this is how we're able to gather together today as a church because we've heard of this message and this hope. And so the topic today that we're covering is sending like a hero maker. We're going to talk about how we want to ask God not just to bless the things that we're doing, but we want to ask God to bless the people that we raise up and those that we send out. And as we've been going through this series, I don't know about you, but it's made me reflect a lot on the people who've poured into my life, uh, those who've invested in me, who've helped me to succeed and be where I am today. Uh, it's made me reflect on even my own parents who drilled values into me and how my dad kept teaching me to want to be more curious and to learn more. How my parents taught me to be good work, hardworking and to finish things that I start. Uh, I think of a college pastor, his name was Steve, and he invested in me when I was a college student at San Jose State University. 
and he gave me opportunities to serve and to lead, and he trusted me with responsibility. Uh, I think even of Pastor Felipe here at Echo. Uh, seven years ago, Pastor Felipe had the conversation saying, I see in you with me. And that's the conversation that led me to where I am today and gave me all the opportunities that God has put before me. And I think most of us have somebody in our lives that's poured into us in some way or another that's brought us to where we are today. And so maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a coach, a boss or a supervisor, maybe it was a student ministry leader, maybe somebody at Echo Students, maybe it was a pastor, somebody in your workplace. And when you reflect on those people in your lives that have invested in you, that have helped you to succeed, I'd be willing to bet that the things that they did to invest in you, it probably wasn't one big grand nugget of wisdom that they say, here you go, and now you can be successful. It probably wasn't one mastery or something that they were incredibly good at that they imparted into you and taught you and they sent you off to be successful. I think when I think back on the people who have truly invested in me and made a difference in my life, the things that they did were a lot simpler than that. The things that they did were uh, keeping me accountable to doing the things that I said that I would do. They modeled great character and integrity before me. Uh, they pushed me to work harder. They helped me to understand when I was wrong. They spoke truth to me when it was hard to hear. They trusted me with responsibility. They gave me something that I could own and run with. They encouraged me when I felt discouraged and I didn't trust myself. And really, at the end, they were just consistent. They were there for the long run. It wasn't just a one-time thing or a one-time impartation. It was people who were there to walk with me in my life. And my hope for you today is that as you reflect on this and you reflect on the hero makers in your life, that you would see something in yourself that you might be able to impart into somebody else. That you yourself could play, play that role in somebody else's life. Here's something I want you to notice. I truly believe this. The difference in competence between a hero and a hero maker is small. But the difference in impact between a hero and a hero maker is massive. There's a small difference in what they're able to do or their skills, but the difference in impact and what they're able to accomplish is massive. There's a small difference in competence, but a huge difference in impact. Because the truth is, the things in that list, to be, help people keep them accountable, to tell them the truth, to encourage them, to be there for them, we can all do this for someone. We can all do this for somebody. And I think the real difference between a hero and a hero maker ultimately comes down to motivation. And so there's choices we have to make when we choose to be hero makers. And the main choice I want us to tackle and really take grasp on today is this. The hero makers choose releasing over retaining. Hero makers choose releasing over retaining. So if there's anything you come away with today is this sentence. Hero makers will choose to release over retain. And when we talk about sending like a hero maker, it means that we're more concerned about looking at who are the people that we're raising up and sending out and releasing than how many people we can gather together in a room and keep together and retain. Hero makers choose releasing over retaining. So much so, Jesus would even say to his followers, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Now, that was so surprising to me because 
Jesus was the guy who walked on water. He was the guy who healed the sick. He was the one who calmed the storms. He was the one who was raised from the dead. And he said to his followers, you will do the same things and even greater things than I have ever done. I don't know about you, but that seems pretty unlikely for all of us to be able to do those things. It's like if Michael Jordan was coaching a kid's basketball team, and at the end of the day, he said, kids, you guys will do far greater things than I have ever done. Now, that sounds great in theory, but how realistic is that going to happen? Now, there's a real difference between Michael Jordan and Jesus, obviously, but at the core of what they're trying to accomplish is their motivation. Right? Michael Jordan, he was just trying to be the best basketball player on the planet. That was his motivation. And Jesus himself was trying to change the world. He was trying to shape a culture. He was trying to share a message of love to all people. And it required people to be mobilized, activated, raised up, and released to be put on mission. And so we're going to take a look at a great example of what that looks like today in the book of Acts. Acts described the formation of the church and the growth in the early years after Jesus ascended back to heaven. So we're going to take a look in Acts chapter 6. It's estimated that this chapter takes place about three years after Jesus went back to heaven. So the church went from being a few hundred people in the beginnings as Jesus was crucified to now being over 5,000 people. And as I'm sure as you can imagine, if you've been a part of any growing organization, if you've been in a startup that grew quickly, you know that growth creates challenges. And so there are tensions that are formed. So this is where we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. You can open up your Bible apps, or you can follow on the screens, or if you have your analog version with you, you can open that up. Uh, And it says this in verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Now, I want to give a little bit of context to that. So we see here that church is growing and it's becoming more diverse. And there are Greek-speaking Jews and Hebrew-speaking Jews. The Greek-speaking Jews were also referred to as Hellenists. Uh, They were people who had been dispersed throughout the world and who had adopted Greek as their primary language. And come along with that came some traditions and some parts of the Greek culture. And a lot of them decided to go back to Jerusalem and what is now modern-day Palestine to reestablish themselves. And so there were those who had remained there who were still speaking Aramaic, who were the Hebrew-speaking Jews, and then the Greek-speaking Jews came along with that. And now, as it came in, the the Greek-speaking Jews felt that they were being discriminated against in the church. And it might not have been intentional, but the effects of it were very real. Some people were not getting fed. So the concern of it was brought up to the apostles that widows were being unfairly treated and a solution was needed. So here's where it picks up in verse 2. So the 12 called a meeting for all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word, not running a food program. So the apostles have a specific task that they have been assigned to that only they can do. And this food program is obviously incredibly important to the work that they need to do as a church. However, running it is taking away from their primary assignment, the thing that only they can do, which is to teach the word of God. So a solution is needed, and here's what they come up with in verse 3. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer, 
and teaching the word. Now, I think an assumption that would be really easy to make right there is to assume the apostles were just giving away a task that they didn't want to do themselves, right? Like, we don't want to worry about this. We want to be able to do our own thing. But I don't really think that's the case here. And I think the thing that they are able to acknowledge is that everybody has unique abilities and talents and gifts and experiences that God's placed in us, that he's created us for, that match our God-given purpose that he wants for our lives. Not everybody has the same amount of responsibility, and we know this, but everybody has a part to play. If you've been at Echo for a while, you know what goes on to putting on service and groups and kids' experiences. You know it takes all kinds of people to be able to make all of this happen. Uh, It takes the sacrifice of volunteers of all kinds. If you were to put the, the total responsibility of the administration of the church on the pastors of Echo... Oh man, we would be in trouble, all right? Let's just say there would be less people in heaven today. (laughs) It takes all of us. Not all of us have the same amount of responsibility, but all of us have an important part to play in accomplishing the mission because the mission cannot be accomplished without the contribution of all people. Uh, Not everybody can be entrepreneurs and pioneers in industry and business leaders, but all of us can play a part in changing our world and making a difference. And hero makers understand what we talked about in week one of the series, that it's not all about me. It's not all about me. Hero makers choose to release people to make a difference in our world, not just to retain them for their own purposes. So the apostles are choosing to release control of this aspect of their ministry in order to be able to move forward with their mission. And I think all of us know this. It's not easy to give away responsibility it's a real tension, and I'm sure they were feeling this. Because anytime you give away responsibility, it's very likely that they're not going to get things done exactly the way that you want things to get done. I think it's very likely also that somebody's going to make a rookie mistake because it's their first time doing it. And we all know somebody's going to complain about the changes. That happens every time. I think this is actually really, really difficult for me. Uh, I took one of those uh, strength finders tests a few years ago, and I found out one of my strengths is something called ideation. And ideation means that I do great with creative problem solving and coming up with new things. The problem with that is that I have too many ideas. And the problem with having too many ideas is that I often think I'm right. And the problem with often thinking that you're right is that it's really hard to trust other people to be right as well. And so if I'm quite honest, sometimes when I'm giving away responsibility and then whatever was assigned to them gets done, I look back on it and I think, oh man, if only it had been done just this way, just a little bit different. It's a tension I feel every single time. Anybody with me on that or am I the only one here? (laughs) I, I think retaining is actually a lot easier than releasing. It's so much easier to be able to keep things to ourselves because we get, to re- we get to retain the control and we get to retain the credit. I get to know what's going on, I get to make sure things get done my way, and then I get the credit for it and I get the praise and the acclaim. The reality, though, is that if people are not released to take on responsibility, then the mission stops. It doesn't continue, it doesn't move forward. In order for our world to be changed, we need to choose to release, not to keep for ourselves. So the apostles said, let's pick seven 
and let people take care of it. In verse 5, it says this, everybody liked the idea. You can sense frustration and like, yeah, the apostles are messing this up. Everybody likes it. So let's find seven people. And it shows the following, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid hands on them. So seven men were chosen to take on this responsibility. And notice what happens next. They pray for them and lay their hands on them. And as I was studying this, I was thinking about the symbolism behind laying on of hands because it's something that we see in the church today. It's something we see all throughout Scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. But it starts looking a little bit differently when Jesus comes into the picture. And when Jesus lays his hands on people, it is typically to bless or to heal. And as Jesus goes back to heaven, now his apostles, those he has invested in, uh, they become his representatives. They're the ones who are the ambassadors for him. They're the ones who are ultimately his hands. And so when the disciples, the apostles, lay hands on people, they are affirming what Jesus has done and his blessing on to them. They're putting on their seal of approval on them and saying that we believe in you and we will share with you in what you are called to do in both the good and the bad, the fruitfulness of what you do and your failures. They're commissioning them for the work that God has called them for. You might have heard the saying, uh, oh, I wash my hands of this. I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, this is the opposite. Commissioning and laying on of hands is actually saying that we are with you in this and we are putting on our hands as a sign of approval, saying that our hands are in it with you in the good and in the bad. Commissioning is saying that we want to ask God to bless your work and we are in it with you. Commissioning is asking God to bless those that we release. It's easy to give away responsibility to people for things that we want to do. But commissioning is different. Commissioning is releasing people to their God-given purpose and the things that he wants for them. I, I was thinking uh, on my own life and the moments that were defining that led to this. Uh, I was thinking one of the most affirming moments that I've ever experienced, apart from Jasmine agreeing to being my wife, uh, was my ordination here at Echo Church a few years ago. Uh, it was the ordination for me to become a pastor. Now, the ordination is not what makes somebody a pastor. Uh, it's just a recognition from the church and from the leaders of the church of what God has already placed in you and what he is doing through you. And so they are recognizing that God has placed the gifts in me to be able to be a pastor. And each of the leaders and pastors here at Echo they spoke a word over me, they spoke about what they saw in me, uh, and then they laid hands and they prayed for me. Now, there's, there's nothing that was magical or supernatural that happened in that moment. The clouds didn't part, God didn't just say a word and say, he is now a pastor. And yet, at the same time, there was something that was so defining about that moment in my life. And when I look back at this story of those seven that were selected, I can't help but think that it was probably similar for them. That the 12, the disciples that Jesus himself had appointed would come and choose these seven and would commission them. They would lay their hands on them and say, we are with you and we see what God is doing in you. And here's what we see as a result. In verse 7, it says, so God's message continued to spread 
and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. The message continued to spread, and God continued to work more through his people. Hero makers understand that when we release and we surrender, there is more. When we surrender, more comes from God. There is more fruitfulness, uh, there's more blessing, there's more freedom, there's more ultimately that's accomplished. And so as a church today, we're going to put this practice of commissioning uh, into practice right now. And I'm going to invite to the stage a true hero maker from our Sunnyvale campus, who's, gonna, who's been one of our leaders over this past semester at Echo Church. So will you join me in giving a warm Echo welcome to Seiji Iwasaki as he joined us today. <laughs> Come on in, a little closer. So Seiji right here has been a part of Echo for just five months. He came this past July, uh, and he came for work, and he's heading back pretty soon. Seiji, uh, as he came to Echo, went through Grow Track and started serving right away, engaged with our guest experience team and started serving there. And then he decided he wanted to lead an Echo group. And so he chose to do an Echo group. He went through our training. We did a training around the Hero Maker uh, this past August. We gave him a book. He read the book all the way through right away and decided to lead a group. And Seiji had a passion for reaching his friends who were Japanese but who weren't connected with the local church community. And he wanted to create an environment where his friends from church and people outside the church who were shared his culture to find a place where they could belong. And so he created a language exchange echo group. And now today, every week at Phil's Coffee in Sunnyvale, there are 20 people that are hanging out together speaking English and Japanese and building community, most of which have never been to church before. But because of his intentionality and his investment in people, several of them have attended Echo multiple times. Some of them have been part of other groups and joint activities that other groups have been doing. And even before Seiji started his group, he already asked somebody to take the group over for him, knowing that he would be heading back to Japan. And so today is actually Seiji's last day in America. And tomorrow he heads back to Japan. And so we want to spend just a moment to put our hands on him, to pray for him, to commission him, and ask God to bless the work that he has called him to do as he heads back. And so I'm going to invite some of our uh, young professionals and people who have been part of the community with Seiji to come up on stage right now, and we're going to lay hands on him. Uh, I'm going to invite Tim Deep, who's going to share a prayer over him, and we're going to believe that God is going to do a great work in his life as he goes back to Japan. And Seiji, I just want to say a couple words to you. Because I've been so encouraged by your faith, by your enthusiasm, by what God has done in and through your life. And even just in a few short months, in five months, even in the face of language and cultural barriers, you've still been able to work through all those things and make a difference in the lives of so many people. And God's obviously got his hand on you. There's a fire that he has put in you, and he's going to continue and use you wherever you go. And we're so excited for what he's going to do in your journey. And we've been so blessed just by your presence here in these last few months. So, Tim, how about you take it away? Pray for Seiji. Let's put our hands on him. Dear Heavenly Father God, just thank you so much for, for Seiji, for just being a part of our community and just how impactful he has been uh, for us and for your kingdom, God. And God, I, I pray that as we uh, extend our hands out and just, um, just be ready to send Seiji out, God, 
that you just help him on his journey to be a hero maker in Japan and to the ends of this world. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And hey, we can celebrate Seiji in his time here. If in just five short months, God can use somebody like Seiji to make such an impact in our community, imagine what God could do for all of us together if we took these principles today to heart. What if we really trusted God together and really believed that when we surrender and release, that we can make an exponentially bigger difference in our world? Learning that hero makers choose releasing over retaining. See, the mission that Jesus gave us, the church, in Matthew 28, he said to make disciples of all nations. It's a mission to bring hope for all of humanity, for a world that desperately needs it. And this theme of hero making, it's not just a new approach to doing church. It's not just a strategy uh, for churches and for doing ministry. It is the only way to be able to reach a world with a hope that desperately needs it. We have a mission statement here at Echo Church that says, we urgently lead people to say yes to Jesus and passionately follow him. And we say we are urgent about our mission because people are living and dying apart from the hope that we have in Jesus. That they don't understand that there is forgiveness for our past, that they can have a greater purpose than they ever could understand, and that their eternity can be secured in heaven. This gift is available to them today, but nobody has told them. Nobody has given the time to invest in them. That's why we're urgent about our mission. That's why as a church we say we will do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. Not because we're trying to grow an organization or gather more people inside of a building, but because people need to understand that there is a hope for all of mankind. There's a gift that is available through Jesus and a new purpose for us today. See, we can't be all things for all people. We can't do this for every single person on the planet but every single one of us can do these principles of hero-making for one person. And so as you're reflecting today on this message and on the series as a whole, as we've been talking about these principles, I want you to spend a moment to think, who is it that God has placed in your life that you need to see through a lens of hero-making? Who is it that God has specifically placed in your life for you to invest in? The second question I would ask is, what are the specific things that you've been gifted and wired for that you can pour into that person with? Who is it that God's putting you in, put in your life, and how is God uniquely gifted and wired you to speak into that person, and who can you bring hope to in this season? And here's something I want you to do as a practical application of this, is to write their name down. Uh, there's something that happens that becomes concrete in our hearts and in our minds when we put something down into writing and we do something physical with it. And so you can use your connection card and start thinking and praying through who might that person be today that God is calling me to be a hero maker for. Who are you praying for? Who can you speak into? Who is it that you're inviting to be a part of what God is doing here? And as you're reflecting on that person, as you're writing your names down, I want to finish with one quick reflection on this passage. I was reading through, continuing in the book of Acts, in this story, and there's a character that stood out from this passage. 
because one of the seven men that were selected was a man named Stephen. And we see he has the first name on the list. And Stephen will get into trouble shortly after. Uh, he'd go around and sharing his faith and getting into arguments with other people. And eventually he'd be brought to court and he'd have to explain himself and why he was going around and sharing these things. So he was brought before the religious court. And instead of being apologetic, uh, he went the other direction and he was emboldened. And he shared a powerful, powerful message. He talked about really God's original purpose from the very beginning of the creation of his people and how he used Abraham and Moses and how Jesus will ultimately be the one to bring the completion of God's promise. And this was going against everything that the religious leaders believed. And they were mad, so much so that they stoned him to death. They brought a crowd together to kill him. And Stephen became the first Christian martyr. After the death of Jesus, Jesus, he was the first one to give his life for the cause of the Christian faith. Now, present at this execution was a man named Saul. And Saul was a man who eventually became the Apostle Paul, who would bring uh, the message of Jesus and start churches all over the world. The Apostle Paul would start churches, and he would also start writing books that we now have, and letters that would now be in our Bible. And today, Paul still impacts churches all around the world. His writings, centuries later, thousands of years later, are still impacting the way that we do church and the way that we relate with one another. Now, the message from Stephen was not something that converted Paul or that changed his mind on anything, uh, but it's said to have had an impact on the beginnings of his faith. That as he came to know Jesus on his own and had uh, really an appearance from Jesus, that the message that he heard from Stephen laid a foundation for his beliefs and that it would impact the ministry that he would do moving forward. And here's what I want to leave you with. Because when you look at this thread in the story, uh, here were the apostles who had the burden of running a food program, and so they assigned seven men to take care of it. Stephen was one of the men who was given the task of running the food program. Stephen would eventually be emboldened to share one of the most powerful messages that had been heard up to that point that would lead to his own death that would be heard by the man who would impact churches for thousands of years. Now, all of us have somebody in our lives that we could do a small investment in or even give him a small task to. And the task that you have at hand might seem completely insignificant, but there is power behind it that you might not even realize that God can do through that task that could lead to that person becoming more than you could have ever imagined. And so I want to invite us together to pray, to think like hero makers and ask God to show us how we can choose releasing over retaining and pray for those that he wants us to live that for. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you today because you are making hero makers here in this place, that you have called us to a greater purpose, that you have given us hope and a truth to hold on to today. So God, help us to see our lives through that lens, to change a world that desperately needs hope today and to be able to invest in people at a higher level with your truth. We thank you for this message and for what you're speaking to us in our hearts today. And God, we pray you will bring to light the people you want us to invest in. Thank you for this day and for what you're doing in this church and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.